0: in a money pit money pit if your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump you live in a money pit money pit pick up the telephone fix up your home sweet home i call calling 888 money pit
1: the money pit
2: is presented by hertz and home advisor now here are tom and Leslie coast-to-coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom
3: Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And welcome to one of the last weekends of 2019, the holiday weekends, the weekends when we're out, we are about, we are getting ready for those end-of-year holidays that we all look forward to all year long. If that is you and you're not picking up a paintbrush today, you're not hammering some nails, you're not hanging some pictures, that's okay. We officially give you the weekend off. But if you are thinking about a project you'd like to get done, or perhaps you are rushing to get something finished before you have some guests show up at your doorstep, we would love to help you do that. So give us a call right now with those questions at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Now, here's a project that you definitely should be thinking about for the year ahead, and that is beefing up the insulation in your attic because, frankly, you can never have too much. But how much do you really need and what's the best way to install it? And how the heck are you even going to get all those huge rolls of insulation back to your house? We will have those answers just ahead.
3: And if you're getting ready to do a remodeling project or maybe even add on to your home, usually you hire that architect first. But sometimes it might make sense to go right to the builder for both the design and the build. We'll explain why in a bit.
2: And as we head into the chilliest part of the winter, we've got some ideas to give your fireplace a custom look with easy-to-build surrounds that can add some vintage charm.
3: But first, we want to know what you are working on to get your house ready for all of the visitors that are coming and knocking, and they want tasty foods, and they want festive decor, and they want your house to look organized and tidy amidst all the holiday chaos. So let us help you do that. We're standing by. Give us a call.
2: The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, pit 888 Let's get to it. Leslie,
3: who's first? Marion, Arkansas is on the line with a question about a bathroom remodel. How can we help you today? Well, I uh, have a small full
4: bath that needs help. Uh, it has a, a tub and a, a a laboratory in a built-in cabinet and a toilet. Uh, it's very small. And I need to keep it uh, primarily for a utility bathroom, but also it's the one closest to the kitchen in the den. And so I want to fix it up because it would be used by guests also. Sure.
3: Okay. I don't know where to start. I mean, how is it as far as functionality, is everything working? Are there pieces that have to be replaced because you know they're just not working right? You know what sort of the condition are we in?
4: uh everything works, everything works. uh the tub has sliding doors on it okay. uh, they are they're quite old uh in fact, one of them has a mirror on it, okay <laughs> The toilet really needs to be moved. Uh, about six,
3: six to eight inches, it's too close to the wall. Okay, so you're already saying that you've got some things in there that need to change location. So suddenly that becomes a little bit of a bigger project than it would be if it were just cosmetic issues.
4: No, it's not just cosmetic. The tub is adequate if I wanted to leave the tub.
3: But you're hoping to get rid of the tub... Maybe put a shower in, give yourself a little bit more space, relocate some of the fixtures. So I think the first thing that you really need to consider is how much money you want to spend because bathrooms, because of the relocation of plumbing fixtures and, you know, the need for a lot of more expensive items like specific tiles and floorings and fixtures and finishes, you really need to take a look at how much is it that you want to spend and then think from there about how to appropriately spend that so first up figure out what your budget is and when you're planning your budget you know give yourself an extra we like to say 10 to 20% just for those what ifs oops the things that happen that as long as we're in here oh i really like that tile give yourself yeah. a little bit of extra money or Pick a number, truly know you're not gonna, you know, go above that and back down 20%, that that's your real number and give yourself that little wiggle room in there. So that's the first bit. Um, the second thing is I might consult with a professional kitchen and bath designer just to give you the comfort and benefit of knowing that this is where things can be relocated to. More efficiently rather than like, Oh, I'm going to move that completely to the other side of the room and then realize that that's a huge plumbing headache. Really sit down with someone who understands what the, what the best way to achieve the relocation of some of those items are. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's those are the things that will really sort of help you to figure out. You know, how much money you've got to spend on this. Also, you know, since this is the first floor bath and a lot of different people are going to be using it, you might want to look at a couple of options to this bathroom space that will help all of the guests who use it, regardless of their age. You know, what is that? Is it a grab bar? Is it a no threshold, threshold shower? Um, you know, different things that just make it more user friendly, regardless of the age or stage of their life. So there's a couple of things that you really need to consider. And then once you know the foundations, of it, that's when you then get to have fun and pick out the fun stuff. You know, what do the tiles look like? What is the vanity? What is the sink? You know, all of those things. And I think the first step is to sort out your budget meet with a professional designer, and do a ton of research. Start looking online or tearing out pictures in magazines and looking at different catalogs of things that you like. And it could be things that you like because maybe in one image you like how the tile looks and in the other image you like the shape of the sink. You know, it doesn't matter if they all seem kind of different. Just sort of start circling what it is about each thing that you like, and that will really help you with a direction to go in so you know all of the things you want to pull together. Okay, I can do that.
2: So there you go. That's the spirit.
3: <laughs> it's exciting. A bathroom remodel is very exciting. How look forward today? Good. Well, keep us posted and let us know how we can help you throughout the process. All right. Next up, we've got Brent. You've got the money, but how can we help you today?
0: I'm trying to figure out a way I can quiet the noise, lower the noise level on our new home that we built. Our, our home is uh, basically an open concept, high ceilings with a lot of wood, tile. No window, no window coverings, but when our I've heard that you can uh, change out your pulleys, like maybe on your fan blower, um, to lower the noise level. Is that possible? Doing or not? Have you ever heard of that before?
2: So the the noise that you're trying to reduce is the sound of airflow uh, from your HVAC system.
0: Yep, it's, we have a heat pump system, um, and like I said, our house has mainly. A lot of wood. Our ceilings wood. Our, we have a lot of windows, and when it kicks in, it just it just roars. You know what I mean? Do
2: you get like a whistling sound when the blowers come on.
0: No, just the actual airflow that you hear, and um, just trying to find a way to absorb that noise, or maybe just um, I've heard that, like I say, you can slow that. The maybe the flow of the air
2: down? Well, depending on the system, you actually can adjust the fan speed. Right. But there may be a point of diminishing returns. If you reduce the fan speed, you may not get the air moving throughout the house where you need it. Unfortunately, this is an installation issue when it comes to how the HVAC system was designed. Now, also, if you have metal ducts, you could be getting some vibration in those ducts, and those ducts could be dampened or reinforced uh, with a few modifications. For example, if we get a duct that makes a lot of noise, sometimes you can take a piece, an additional piece of metal and uh, attach it to the top of the duct in a diagonal fashion, and that will reinforce it and take some of the flex out of the duct and reduce the, the vibration noise. So there are a couple of small tweaks like that that you could try, but what I might recommend you do is the next time you have your heating system serviced, that you spend some time and maybe let the a company know in advance you want to speak with a, a contract with a, with one of their technicians about reducing noise and see if there's anything else that could be done. You also, for example, could insulate some ducts that might be accessible and that might quiet some of the noise as well. So this is going to be um, a series of small steps with small improvements, not uh, big steps with big improvements. Okay, Brent? Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Give us a call with your holiday home repair or home improvement question right now or anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right here at 888-MONEYPIT.
2: 888-666-3974. Well, now that it's getting chilly, it's the perfect season to beef up the insulation in your attic. But how do you know how much insulation you really need and what's the best way to install it? And how the heck will you get all those huge rolls back to your house?
3: We're going to have the answer in today's Better Get a Truck tip presented by Hertz next. You live in a body pit.
2: Making good homes better, this is The Money Pit, home improvement show. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects, and then get matched with top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments, all for free at HomeAdvisor.com.
3: Now we're going to chat with Diana in Arkansas, who's got a super old house that's acting a little strangely. What's going on?
4: My husband says that there is a main beam underneath this house that is broken, and it is allowing it to uh, settle in my kitchen. Uh, my refrigerator is taking a different list, and it's not too far from that beam. How would we go about raising this house or whatever and replacing that beam?
2: Okay, so if you have a broken beam... The way that that type of repair is generally done is, first of all, if the beam is just cracked and we want to kind of reinforce it so it doesn't settle or move, what will often happen is a contractor will put a new beam next to it and bolt it to the old beam. That's called a sister beam. And in that way, you're not really replacing it as much as you're just kind of beefing it up. And that's a smarter way to do that because, frankly, there's no, way, there's no, no wind by just taking it out. Now, if the house is settled, you may or may not want to do anything to try to raise those beams. Generally, we, re- we recommend you don't raise a floor because everything's connected to it the walls and the pipes and the plumbing and the electrical wire. So you kind of leave it in place. But reinforcing that beam in place is the best way to attack that. And that's a, you know, not a terribly complicated job, but you can't just have anybody do it. You need to have a contractor that really knows what they're doing. Because you're going to want to get those beams on both sides. You're going to want to make sure that if there's any seams in there, that they have to be over a piling, for example, where there's support. And then you have to have bolts that go all the way through from the new beam into the old beam and back to the new beam on the other side and then sort of bolted together. And then that's going to make a really strong repair and reinforcement. Do you know why the beam cracked in the the first place?
4: You know, uh, um, I, I have no idea. The house um, was originally just a four-room house. And then uh-huh. it, it has been built on and built on and built on. And okay. so um, I, I have no idea, uh, supposedly.
2: Might have skipped the structural step there. Well, I think that by reinforcing that beam is the, is the right way to do it. So thanks so much for calling us. Good luck with that project. And if you have any more questions, let us know. Thank you so much.
3: Well, did you know that if you want to cut heating costs this winter, the single most effective way that you can do just that is by adding insulation. Now, most homes simply don't have enough, and many more have insulation that's settled or really just become ineffective.
2: Well, the good news is that this can be a very easy do-it-yourself project to take on. We've got tips to help you get that job done in today's Better Get a Truck tip presented by Hertz. Now, if you want to step up your insulation, the first thing you need to do is figure out how much insulation you have now. The Department of Energy recommends that homes have between 10 and 20 inches of fiberglass insulation. So head up to the attic with a ruler or tape measure and measure the depth of the insulation. If you've got less than 10 to 20 inches, there's an easy opportunity for you to add more and cut those costly heating bills in the process.
3: Now, to improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort, you're going to need to add a second layer of insulation on top of the old insulation and run it perpendicular to the original fiberglass bats. It's an easy job, but you just have to be careful to watch where you step. As long as you're working on top of the ceiling joists, you're going to be fine. Just don't ever step in between them, or you might create a brand new skylight right into the room <laughs> below that you really weren't planning on having. I mean, it's, you, you can make it work, but yes. let's try to avoid it.
2: Safety is key. One of my mom's favorite <laughs> pictures is when my buddy and I did the roof over the kitchen, and there's a picture of a leg sticking through the plaster ceiling. Oh,
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> can I see that, please?
2: So safety is key. And for this job, you're going to want to wear a long sleeve shirt, work gloves, and use a dust mask to avoid breathing any of that dust that gets stirred up. Now, because you're adding a second layer you'll need to head to the home center or lumber yard to buy insulation that's labeled as unfaced, which basically means there's no paper or foil backing. Now, insulation is sold in large rolls or packages, and you may need a lot of them to cover your entire attic. For example, one bundle of 10-inch thick unfaced fiberglass bats is only going to cover about 47 square feet. So, if you've got an 800-square-foot attic, which is not huge, you'd need 17 packages or 17 rolls. So you better be thinking about how you're going to get all that home. And Hertz offers a solution because they do rent trucks and vans. They've got a great selection that can help you get those materials home quickly and easily.
3: Yeah, and lastly, here's one more tip. If your attic has a floor and not much insulation underneath, you can still add more insulation on top without ripping up that floor. You just want to lay the bats side by side on top of that old floor, and it's going to have the very same insulating effect. And if you do need your attic floor for storage, we'd suggest designating a section of that flooring for storage and then add that new second layer everywhere else. Just remember, you can't store things on top of the insulation because crushed insulation isn't going to do very much insulating at all. It's got to be fluffy to work.
2: And that's today's Better Get a Truck tip presented by Hertz. For any home project, store pickup, or move that needs more than your car can handle, remember... H-D-T-V. Hertz does trucks and vans. Book now at Hertz.com.
3: All right, next up we've got Jim in Oregon with a paneling question. Tell us what you're working on.
1: I've got a house that was built in uh, the early 1950s, and I moved into it in the 70s and it didn't have any insulation in the in the walls of the house so i took the interior paneling off which was quarter inch plywood was all it was and then i put insulation behind that and of course rewired it at the same time and then when i put the quarter inch paneling back after i put the insulation in then i put uh, of course it was in the 70s a big paneling there so i just put paneling over the top of that now I want to kind of upgrade it a little bit, and I'm not too sure if if my best route would be to, to clean the paneling really well and paint it or clean the paneling really well and have somebody come in and spray it uh, like you do uh, sheetrock, or maybe I should put quarter-inch sheetrock over the top of it and tape it off and then spray it, uh, or a possibility of putting... Uh, on every stud, put a tube of two on the stud, and then put the insulation in that looks like Styrofoam with the uh, tinfoil on each side, and then panel over our sheetrock over the top of that. So, I'm kind of looking at dollars and cents and which way to go.
2: Wow, you have a lot of choices. I mean, do we want we really want a cosmetic solution here? Yes. that's the case, there's no reason you can't paint this. I mean, painted paneling can look quite attractive if it's done well, right, Leslie? But I think priming is probably important.
3: Yeah. I mean, you're right about wanting to clean it. Then you're definitely needing to prime it with a very good quality primer because you want it to adhere very well to the paneling. And, you know, depending on if this is actual wood paneling or some sort of, you know, wood like paneling, you just want it to stick well. And then I would go with whatever paint over it, you know. The issue here is whether or not you like the look of the vertical lines. If you like them, then you're going to love it painted because somehow white paneling looks fantastic, especially if you've got a decor and a home style that lends itself to that look. It can really work for you. Um, I really wouldn't paint it any other color because then it's like, oh, that's painted paddling where suddenly in a white, it's like, oh, it's got like a country chicish charm to it. Um... But, you know, it, it's really up to you whether that's a look that you like and will enjoy. If you can work with it, then I definitely say go for the paint.
1: So if I, I paint it white on it, my bighorn sheep hanging on the wall and the antelope and stuff would stand out really well. then.
5: <laughs> yeah, I <bet> they would.
3: <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation for another day. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can just understand. I used to own a sporting goods store, so I understand that.
2: All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us, Jim, at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888
3: Pit is presented by Home Advisor. You can find top-rated home service pros and book appointments online all for free. Hey, if you're getting ready to do a remodel or an addition to your house, usually you're going to hire that architect first, but sometimes it might make sense to go right to the builder. We're going to explain why next.
4: Is presented by homeadvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major
0: remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out
3: homeadvisor.com.
2: Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Well, if you've been thinking about adding on to your home or perhaps building a new one, there is a process called design build that's gaining in popularity as the way to take on home remodeling and construction projects.
3: That's right. With us to talk about that is Dave Supple. He's the CEO and founder of New England Design and Construction. Welcome, Dave. Hey, welcome, Tom. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Leslie.
2: So, Dave, there's two ways to build a big project. The first way is what's traditional, and that's what's called design-bid-build. And then there's this newer way called design-build. Let's talk about how homes are traditionally built and how these big projects are traditionally built to start. Can you kind of walk us through the differences?
5: Yeah, so typically a client would hire an architect. The architect would work with the client to get a set of plans and a design that the client loved. Then it would go out to bid. And the client would select a builder, a contractor, general contractor to execute the project, and that's the way throughout the this century, you know, and the past it's been done.
2: Okay, so what's wrong with that, and what makes design build a better process? How is it different?
5: Well, first off, design build is really the way it's been done primarily throughout history. Okay, circa 100 years ago, it changed, but previous to that, the architect built. So design-build is really a return to the architect of old. There's one entity. Your architect and your general contractor are the same person or on the same team. So the client, instead of hiring two professionals, hires one from the beginning. And that professional takes them through from conception to completion.
2: If you're skipping the bid step, the idea of the bid step was the architect was creating the specs and everybody was bidding on the same set of specs. Why is that better for the consumer?
5: Great question. And that's kind of the the question most folks have. There is a process in design build wherein you are interviewing folks, but the choice is based on trust. It's more based on trust, on, on experience, on portfolio. On a track record of delivering the project that you're looking to do on time and budget into a very high standard. And so a decision is being made earlier, and that could be looked at as a leap of faith, but there are parameters. Like when I meet with clients initially, I'm giving them upfront expectations on cost because I've done a lot of those projects.
3: But I think it's It's beneficial because as the architect and the builder, you're aware of what the costs of materials are, the process of installation. And so you can really give a good understanding to what those costs are. I
5: get calls often from folks who've worked with an architect, not design build, and say, hey, you know, I have these amazing set of plans. I love this project, but it's twice my budget, literally three times my budget. And so they're worthless. Whereas in design-build, since we build, since we know what costs are, since we're setting up the execution while we're designing, that is part of the decision-making process. Gradiently, clients have plans, options, along with cost differences, so they can make an educated decision and not need to inevitably come back to that once they find out what the costs actually are.
2: We're talking to Dave Supple. He's the CEO and founder of New England Design and Construction about a process for building called design build, which, as Dave points out, is really the way throughout history major buildings and projects were completed. But only in the last hundred years have we sort of switched the order around and separated the building from the designing. But with design build, it all happens at the same time, or certainly through the same company or set of partnerships. Dave, does this make the whole process quicker? Because construction does seem to take a long time.
5: It does. And, you know, this whole bidding period is cut out. Inevitably, what ends up happening at that point is things get redesigned a lot, because then you actually find out the cost and it's like, oh,
3: you're backing into the budget.
5: Exactly. So it's a much more efficient process. That's the thing about design build. It's just You can get a similar product in the end, but what did it take to get that? How much did it cost? How long did it take? What was the experience like? It's much simpler with design build. And I'm just trying to make folks aware of this because like HDTV for example, is all design build. Folks just don't really – it's not presented as that, so folks don't even think about it or know about it.
3: You know, that's true. I mean, you spend a lot of time actually designing a space. And for me, when I was working on those shows, we would design the space and I'd say, I'm going to build this piece of furniture or do this in the bathroom. And I know these materials cost X, Y and Z. And we've got to do this in this step order. And this is the process. And it's one person sort of overseeing it. I think people get a little intimidated in that approach when it's such a large project like a house. And they tend to sort of go with what they think is the traditional approach, which might not be the best for everybody
5: that's right but and you're totally right you were thinking with the execution while you were designing yeah and all, but even on large scale projects now very large you're seeing that now because the large scale client is educated and design-build is actually a simpler approach for them.
2: They also have a very predictable outcome, whereas sometimes when you're working with the architect and things change, there's a lot of back and forth, that's not always the case.
5: That's right. And then if there is any issue, God forbid, in construction, if there's an error, there's finger pointing, and then the client is inevitably left in between that, and that leads to litigation. Construction is huge in industry in litigation for the fact that this separation leads to an adversarial relationship where the client is left in between.
2: Well, it's very interesting. And I want to point out, though, that we're not saying that you're building homes without an architect's involvement. It's just that by the time they get involved, A lot of those decisions in terms of what this place is going to be and what kind of shape it's going to be in and how big the kitchens are and maybe some of the materials that are going to go in. All those decisions have been made. So the architect is really just pulling together this vision of this house that it's already much farther along in the planning process. And so, uh, he can make it, he or she can make sure it's safe and so on and, and meets all the appropriate codes. But because they're not really starting from scratch on the blank sheet of paper, so to speak, it's a lot smoother.
5: That's right, Tom. The definition of an architect has changed. The derivation of the word architect is actually goes back to ancient Greek and it's master builder. The definition of an architect today is a designer. And so they need a team to fill those gaps of what things cost. And, and so a design-build team, I have architects on, on my team. And they're very valuable because they're trained to design. And the greats also think with cost and execution as well, like Leslie. You know she's not an architect.
3: But I'm the kid of an architect. So <laughs>
5: I mean and she so she knows. I'm sure her her mother or her father told her that, you know, you need to know how to build.
3: I mean the first thing that my dad always said to me is you have to know how things are made and you have to know how it goes together. And I think that's been the approach to how I design and subsequently how I build
5: things. Uh, Yeah. The way an architect is trained today does not make sense. It will change. It's like going to school to be a chef for five, six years and never cooking a thing in your life. You just learned
2: how to write recipes. Dave Supple, the CEO and founder of New England Design and Construction. Thank you so much, Dave, for stopping by and, and educating us about the design-build style of construction. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
3: Hey, is your home missing that vintage charm? Well, we're going to tell you one way that you can add it without a complete remodel after this.
0: You live in a body pit.
3: Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost
5: guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top rated pros, read reviews, get
4: quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And we want to know what you want to know about your home improvement projects. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, presented by HomeAdvisor. They really have the best local pros for any home service.
3: That's right. It doesn't matter what that project is. They make it fast and easy to find the top-rated pros.
2: And I love that there are no membership fees. It's 100% free to use. HomeAdvisor.com.
3: Now we've got Elsie in California on the line, who's dealing with a shower that goes from hot to cold and all over. That doesn't sound very pleasurable, (laughs) Elsie. What's going on?
4: Oh, it sure isn't. It's uh, very shocking. Um, I live in a ranch-style house. The water heater is in the garage at one end of the house, and the two bathrooms are at the other end of the house. And whenever someone flushes a toilet or turns on the tap or the sprinkling or drip system comes on, the water will go from hot to pure cold, and I'll have to readjust it.
2: And the reason that happens is because the pressures are imbalanced. In other words, you adjust the temperature in your shower and that's based on the pressure of water that's coming from the hot coming from the cold. And once that's locked in, the temperature stays where you want it. But when someone down the line, say, spills off some of the cold water because now they're flushing a toilet or washing their hands, then the, the, there's going to be less cold water going into that same mix, which means the water temperature is going to get higher or hotter. And so the solution is a new valve for the shower, and it's called a pressure-balanced valve. And what a pressure-balanced valve does is it maintains the mix in spite of the pressure differential. So what could happen in that scenario is if you adjusted it and then someone flushed the toilet, you may get... Uh, less pressure overall. So the shower may be not quite as strong, but the temperature won't change. The mix won't change. The mix is locked in. It's it's set right there, regardless of how much pressure uh, variation you have on the hot water and the cold water coming into it. So common problem, straightforward solution. It's called a pressure balance valve.
4: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I listen to your program every week. I have your book and I've learned so much from both of you.
2: Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Well, if you love the look of vintage charm, you know, I'm talking about really ornate moldings, maybe it's picture molding, maybe you've got some beautiful inlaid floors or those fun built-ins that you find with older houses that the new ones just don't seem to have, interesting little nooks and crannies, all of those things that make an older home special, you know, it really is wonderful and it does add value to the house, but... If you're living in a fairly new home, you probably don't have a lot of those special touches. Now, one way that you can capture that vintage feel without giving up modern convenience is to simply add a salvaged antique fireplace mantle. Even if you don't have a real fireplace, guys, just put it in about any room around the house, and that decorative fireplace will quickly become a focal point. You can also spruce up an existing fireplace that simply has zero pizzazz.
2: There are lots of places where you can find some of these vintage pieces. I mean, when older homes are renovated or torn down, it's becoming more popular to save architectural pieces and sell them to salvage dealers. So you can find gorgeous mantles, clawfoot bathtubs, I mean, stained glass windows, even antique doorknobs. And if you don't have a salvage dealer close to you, check online because you can buy everything online these days.
3: Yeah, everything is shippable people find a way to get the largest and strangest of things to your house. So don't be afraid to shop online. And, you know, you can also find individual pieces that have been redone on sites like Etsy.com or even Craigslist. And even though the mantle won't actually be a working fireplace, you're going to find that it definitely adds warmth to your home. And you can really take advantage of this. If you don't want to install a stained glass window, which, quite frankly, is not eco-friendly for the house, it's not going to do any. Insulating value. You can hang them up in front of an existing window. You can buy them big or small. You can add some decorative molding to places around the house. Maybe add some chair rail or some wainscoting below with the decorative molding. There are ways that you can bring this charm in, and suddenly a house that's totally modern and has great conveniences of you know modern construction can feel like it's got that old world charm. So don't be afraid to do a little research because you can make your new house feel old.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We would love to hear what you are working on around your house. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT.
3: You can reach us anytime, 24-7, with your home repair or your home improvement question right here at 888-MONEY-PIT. Still ahead is your house in a constant state of disarray. We've got one rule of thumb that will help stop the madness. That tip is next.
0: You live in a Money Pit.
3: The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com.
2: Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top-rated pros for free.
2: Well, a messy home can leave you feeling frustrated and alone, but it shouldn't. Most messes have a lot in common. Leslie, though, has the top reasons for messiness and ways to ward them off in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie?
3: Yeah, you know, guys, messy home. Make
2: the messes disappear, please. <laughs>
3: I just did. Your house is clean. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If only it were that easy. But, you know, most messy homes are dealt with retroactively. That is, you clean up once the house becomes cluttered. But the key to an organized house is to be proactive about keeping those messes from forming in the first place. Now, there's a saying. It's kind of corny. You might remember it. A place for everything and everything in its place Yes, corny, but also very true. Now, one reason that things pile up on the counters, tables, floors... Pretty much any other surface that you've got to stick something on, things will find a home there, and it's because they don't have an actual home. So you really have to look around and assess what items are always out of place or underfoot and then create or alter the storage that you've got, maybe make it visible, make make it easier to reach, so that the odds and ends that end up where you don't want them will actually go where they belong. Now, next, you've got to play Clutter Cop. Dollar bins and freebies, those are fun, but are you really going to use that stuff? And do you need to buy that book when you can borrow it from the library? And are you actually reading those magazines that are piling up? You know, download those digital versions instead. Assess all of the unneeded items before bringing them through that front door. Now, a great rule of thumb is that for every item that comes into your house... One's got to go out. That means cleaning up before birthday parties or holidays or doing a little soul searching before your next trip to the mall for all of those very much needed new clothing items that I'm sure we're all getting. And finally, beware of nostalgia. I know tossing kids' artwork is tough, but keeping all of it becomes a burden sometimes. So consider taking a picture of the child with the thing that they've created and then throwing out or recycling the item itself And photos are a great way to document cherished toys and baby clothes that aren't a family heirloom. I will tell you, this is one of the best things that my boys will do, especially my older son. He's a keeper Mm -hmm. of all things. I mean, it's ridiculous. And he will (laughs) reluctantly, you know, go through his stuff and make donation piles and really be careful about what he's getting rid of. but. He will make me take photographs of him holding every single stuffed animal or toy or whatever it is. Take my picture, one one more picture before I get rid of it, and then, like, hug it before he puts it in his bag. But I think it makes him feel good that these toys that he's really not paying attention to are going to someone who would love them so. So I indulge him with the photos. I'll do a photo book of them, and he's got it. I don't think he's ever looked at them, but it's a way to get things out to the door.
2: <laughs> well, he will. When he gets older, he will appreciate those pictures that Mom took all the time to take and of course if you do have to get rid of the stuff you need to do it like when they're not around because this way they they you know, may not notice it's gone my kids used to go to, like these invent this inventors camp and the things they would make would be all this like glued together cardboardy kinds of stuff that <laughs> was just enormous you know like like model robots and stuff and there were just like no way you could store these things heck you could barely get them home before they fell apart but they had been working on them for weeks so of course you know they had to sit around for some time but i'm so glad that we took pictures Of that stuff because now we have it for posterity and and, uh, kids get a kick out of it when they get a chance to look at that stuff.
3: Yeah, and once you've got it organized, keep it that way, guys.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this part of your holiday weekend with us. Remember, you can reach us with your questions 24 7 at 888 Money Pit or anytime at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Remember, you can do it yourself,
3: but you don't have to do it alone.